0: Church of Christ. Uh, If you're listening in the car, we're going to be taking a look at James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11 here in just a moment. But before we get there, I want to tell you about this story about a fella. He walked into a doctor's office one day, he walks up to the receptionist, and she asks him what he had. He said, I got shingles. So she took down his name, his address, medical insurance stuff, and told him to go have a seat. So he did. 15 minutes later, A nurse's aide came out and asked him what he had. Again, he goes, well, I've got shingles. So she took his height, his weight, did a complete medical history and told him to wait in the examining room. So he he did it. About a half hour later, a nurse came in and asked him what he had. He sighed and said, well, I've got shingles. So she gave him a blood test and blood pressure test and electrocardiogram and told him to take off all his clothes and put on this gown and wait for the doctor. So he did. It was a little frustrated, but he did. So he waited. Finally, the doctor comes in about an hour later and he asks, what do you got? He says, well, I got shingles. The doctor said, where? I have them outside in my truck. Where do you want them? (laughs) Now... That fella had to have some pretty serious patience, right, in order to go through all that. And, and isn't life full of those kinds of situations that tests our patience? You, right now, chances are you're probably driving in your car, listening to this on 1010 10 AM KXXT, and you're having to deal with traffic, waiting on long traffic lights, waiting on other drivers and, and whatnot. And it's, it just tries the patience, doesn't it? Life itself tests our patience. And in Revelation 22, verse 20, that's where it says that Jesus says, Yes, I am coming soon. And then John says that small prayer, Amen, come Lord Jesus. Can you pray that prayer and mean it? Do you have the kind of patience you need to wait for the Lord? And here in James chapter 5, Following James's uh, chastisement of the ungodly rich who were treating the poor unjustly in the previous section, here James now turns his attention to his Christian brothers and sisters. And the response of these folks to the kind of mistreatment they have received should be, as James is going to point out, patience and endurance. Christians will always face trouble while living in this realm. So patience is needed to remain faithful to the Lord. And in verse 7, the verse opens up with the very point that James is going to stress. He says, Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it, until it gets the early and late rains. That word, patient, Is an imperative. It means, or it's denoting a command, you could say. And it is the opposite of short tempered. It means long tempered or long suffering. If you use a King James Version, it probably says long suffering there. It is holding out before giving way to the passions or the actions you got going on inside. It's to delay. It's to be slow about responding with some kind of action. And so these. Christian brothers and sisters are not to give way to wrath or revenge. They are to endure and be forbearing throughout their days of mistreatment. Now here's the hope that they have. Here, here's what hell, That confident expectation that they have is the coming of the Lord. And their patience must continue until he, the Lord, returns. Now, of course, implied here is the judgment upon his return when he's going to make all wrongs right. And there's three references to the end of time in this short little paragraph. You see it in, chapter, in verses 7, 8, and 9. And they all suggest that the circumstances will change for the righteous. And it will not continue as it presently is is for us. Our experiences are going to change. And this gives hope to us, especially the downcast. Every Christian ought to live in the hope of the return of Christ. And that requires our waiting faithfully. And of course, that requires our patience. So James joins these these two concepts together. The coming of the Lord and the patient endurance of Christians. He wants us to see that the coming of the Lord is motivation for Christians to endure whatever comes our way. We ought to be patient until the Lord returns. And if we are convinced that this life is short-lived short and that the Lord will set things right concerning those who mistreat us, then we will have a stimulus to hold out and not react by losing hope or by retaliating. So Christians are not to take vengeance for themselves. In fact, we're, we're told even to love our enemies, right? From Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 to 48, love your enemies. But now, in a real, really in a masterful way, James is going to weave these two concepts, the, the coming of the Lord and patience, into three exhortations for his readers. Here's the first one. Strengthen your hearts. Strengthen your hearts. And that expression means to stand firm in the faith. Strengthen is another imperative, that's another command, to set up something so that it is immovable. Now, I remember uh, several months ago, I, uh, I wanted to do something for my kids, and I thought they would love it if we planted an apple tree. And I wanted an apple tree, so... I went down to the, the local nursery, that's right down the road from us, and I, they had one apple tree type. They had two of them, or three of them. It was an Anna apple tree. I looked it up, and I saw that they were uh, they were good trees, they made good fruit, and they could produce on the first year, which I couldn't believe. So I bought it, 50 bucks. Brought it home, and I had the kids help me dig the hole. Uh, we pulled it out, we stuck it in, they held the tree as I put all the dirt in, I explained to them that this is an apple tree, and it was going to produce apples. Oh, man, their faces lit up. They were so excited. Apples, really? This is going to make apples? The very next morning, after we planted the apple tree, they they got up that morning, and they said, Dad, are there apples on the apple tree yet? I said, No, son. It takes time, work, and effort. We've got to be patient. And James offers uh, that kind of example about the farmer who must wait for the harvest, right? He doesn't expect his harvest on the day he plants the, the seeds. He has to labor for some months before he is entitled to the fruits of the field. He might even suffer several disappointments before the harvest comes. Yet, he does not lose his head. He doesn't react in some quick-tempered way if weeds invade or if the price of the crop suddenly drops. He does not plow up the field in anger, nor give up simply because things do not go his way. He does not despair or give up simply because it takes time for grain to grow. If the farmer is to reap the fruit of his labor, he must exercise patience, right? So he waits. He waits for both the early and the late rains that provide what is needed for his crop. And the application from James here, uh, this illustration of the farmers, is obvious for us. Any mistreatment we might receive should not take us off track. We cannot allow suffering to provoke us to wrath toward our enemies or, or to indifference toward God. We do this by strengthening our hearts. That is, to have the toughness of mind to endure whatever trouble comes our way. The opposite of strong-hearted would be faint-heartiness, which is a give-up-and-give-in kind of attitude. The heart that is strengthened has a fixed purpose and holds to no other what kind of... Uh, Sorry about that I had somebody knocking on my door. So we cannot allow suffering to provoke us to wrath toward our enemies or indifference toward God. So we do this by strengthening our hearts, toughening the mind. Now, I apologize for I'm going over what I've already said, but I'm trying to get my mind back into it after that. But the opposite of strong-hearted, we know, would be faint-heartedness, giving up and giving in, that kind of attitude. So James believes that we can find this kind of strength of heart if we realize that the coming of the Lord is near. Now, to be near suggests that the Lord might come at any moment, right? When Jesus spoke of his return in Matthew 24, what he was basically saying was this, that we might expect him at any time after the fall of Jerusalem in 70 AD. So every generation of Christians ought to be on the alert, watchful for the return. His coming is always near. Knowing this should help us to strengthen our hearts and our resolve to hold on, no matter what. Here's the second exhortation. Do not complain against one another. Now, I got another story for you. It's about a man's wife. She had just bought a whole new line of expensive cosmetics. Absolutely guaranteed to make her look years younger. So she sat in front of the mirror for what had to been hours applying the Miracle products. Finally, she was done and she turns to her husband and she says, Dear, be honest with me. How do I look? So the husband looked intently upon his wife, and he said, Well, honey, your your hair looks like you're 18 years old. <gasps> thanks, honey. And your skin, I'd say 22. Oh, thanks, dear. And your figure, I'd say 25. Oh, you're the best husband I've ever had. No, no, dear. Hang on. Let me add up those numbers first. Uh-oh. You get it? You think she was going to have some words with him after that? Do not complain, for if you're asking for the truth, brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. Given the circumstances of a community under pressure, It is not surprising that the Lord's half-brother here finds it necessary to warn these brothers against any disunity within the congregation. Complaining is certainly an indication of a lack of patience. Now that word complain, it doesn't mean to murmur, it's nothing like that, but rather to groan. It suggests in this context that one might actually blame another brother for the troubles they are experiencing. The difficulties of life have a way of drawing out impatience by complaint against those closest to us. If you've ever had a bad day on the job, and then you went home and and took it out on the family, you know why James issues this warning. I've had days like that where I'm tired, I'm frustrated, I'm cranky. All I want to do is go home and relax. But as soon as I go home, all four of my kids want to play. They're on me within literal seconds. That's not an exaggeration. I know as soon as I go through that door, they're on me, grabbing on my legs, jumping at me, every one of them asking a question. I have two dogs bouncing off the floor wanting to put their wet nose on me. And it's just where's my patience thin it's difficult we need to realize that to complain against one another in the body of Christ is to risk the lord's condemnation when he comes and james speaks of the lord here as judge he's emphasizing the bringing all accounts due on the last day and he's where standing right at the door now that suggests his entrance into this realm is near. We have that concept of that quick or soon return. His hand's on that door. He's ready to burst onto the scene at any moment. And when he does, what is he going to find? And I think James paints makes this, makes this picture for a reason. It's like whenever I put my kids to bed... And I want them to go to bed, go to sleep. And I know they're, they're kids, so they'll be awake. They might play a little bit. But after a while, I expect them to go to sleep. And if they don't, if they're being too loud, I might go over to the door and jiggle the handle, right? Now, I'm not going to open it, but I jiggle it, and they get real quiet because they know I'm there. And that's my way of letting them know, I hear you. I know what you're doing, and you're not doing what you ought to be doing. You better settle down. And that's what James, I think, is trying to paint that kind of picture for these folks. When when Jesus opens the door, what is he going to find? Is he going to find his servants patiently waiting for his return with their eyes glued to the door? Or is he going to find them distracted, unconcerned about his coming, engaged in the pitiful mistreatment of one another? Again, James is giving us the motivation to hold out and not react incorrectly to the difficulties of life. I know I've used this before, but I like that illustration I have about the the hummingbirds and the cat. We have a hummingbird feeders, two of them, outside our window by the kitchen nook, and uh, there's this cat, black cat named Wednesday. She'll uh, it's not our cat, it's the neighbor's, but she'll sit underneath that hummingbird feeder trying to catch those hummingbirds. Now the hummingbirds are way too fast for that cat. She's never going to get one. But one day, she almost got one. Two hummingbirds were fighting over the the hummingbird feeders. And they were chasing each other around, but they they were hovering just right off the ground. And Wednesday, the cat saw it. And so she just crept right up underneath them and jumped up to try to get one. And she almost got one. I think she must have got a feather or something. It was the closest she had ever gotten. And the reason why... Those hummingbirds were too distracted, fighting with each other, than to notice what was going on. So don't complain, don't grumble, don't fight. Keep your eyes on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. The third exhortation in verses 10 and 11 is this. Learn patience from the example of other servants. And two examples are put forth from which we are to learn patience. Here it is. uh, Verse 10. As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. Now, The word example is a term it, is a model or, or something to be imitated. But both the prophets and Job are offered by James as a model for believers in learning how to be patient. The prophets of God throughout the ages received all kinds of unjust treatment, right? Their suffering came as a result of their service to God in that they spoke in the name of the Lord. These were the ancient preachers of God who delivered his message and reaped the consequences of opposition to that word. And when you, if you just do a quick review of the lies and the ministries of Isaiah and Jeremiah, they would serve to illustrate James's points. These men, they were sent by God for the purpose of delivering a message to benefit the very people who mistreated them. If God's people would have listened to the message and obeyed whatever God required of them, They would have been blessed by God. These prophets are are, are men that that should have been honored because they were specially selected by God for the task of taking his message to the people. But instead, they were unjustly treated. Now that word, suffering, that's a term found only here in our New Testament. When it is used in a passive sense, it's, it's just talking about affliction or misery coming upon somebody. But when it's used in an active sense, in the way it's used here in James 5, uh, 10, and 11, it refers to facing evil circumstances courageously through perseverance. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. So, in spite of all their hardships, God's prophets never gave up. <coughs> Apologies, Jeremiah. Jeremiah did think of quitting, didn't? He? If you ever read through Jeremiah, I've been there recently. You, you read through the part where he thought about stop, you know, quit talking to quit, quit the ministry. But he could not. His work was too important. Not only did the prophets maintain their faithfulness to the mes- mission of God, they never turned against their persecutors. They endured it all with patience. And so we certainly count them blessed. We consider them to be great men of God, and so they are. And yet their examples to us, it is not their great preaching, but it is in their enduring the ill treatment they received. Job is the second example James puts forth for our encouragement. This patriarch of old is a great example of endurance in the face of tremendous adversity. He refused to take the advice of others, as his wife said to him, and just curse God and die. His story of suffering, kid, I don't, it would be hard to duplicate in, in other generations, especially in our generations. It is so unique. He lost his wealth at the hands of his enemies, the Sabians and the Chaldeans. That fire came and consumed not only his flock of sheep, but what else? The whole uh, uh, of his servants, save one who came and told him what was going on. And then he lost all his children when the elements of nature were turned against them through that severe wind that crushed their house and it fell down upon them. And if that was not enough, while in that state of despair and severe sorrow, His own body becomes afflicted with boils from the top of his head to the bottoms of his feet. Job, in such great pain and anguish, even becomes a disgusting sight to his friends. Yet through it all, he never turns his back on God. The word endurance there in verse 11 It's not the same as the word patience in verses 7, 8, and 10. Here, the word endurance primarily has reference to patience in circumstances and not with people. It tells us that Job continued firm in his faith in spite of his difficult circumstances. We know the end of Job's story, that he was greatly blessed in material ways by God. James says this shows that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. This means that God cares for those who are suffering yet remain faithful to him through it all. This again offers motivation for us to endure. God will bring a good end out of the sufferings of this present time. Romans chapter 8 verses 18 and 28. Although in the midst of his great ordeal of suffering, Job questioned whether God really was concerned about him. James acknowledges that the end of Job's situation demonstrates the compassion and the mercy of God. Whenever, whenever we might think that we have it bad in life, we should only need to remember the prophets And Job, to know that what we are called upon to endure is slight by comparison. So let us strengthen our hearts to endure. Let us not groan by taking out our frustrations on one another. And let us learn patience from the examples of the prophets and Job. We need to learn that patience and suffering and to keep our eyes fixed on the Lord's return and not on the things of this earth. This is a lesson I need. And I think we all need this, especially in this day and age. There is so much turmoil and disunity and factionism and partyism. We just don't get along. We're too focused on the things of this world. We forgot about the things after this life, and we're not no longer focused on it. We're thinking about politics. We're thinking about the coronavirus. We're thinking about a lot of things. And, the, and on the coronavirus, I, I get it. There, the, I get the, the worry there. Here's a, a, a virus going around. We don't have any kind of um, medicine that we can use for it. It seems like you almost are guaranteed to get it if you come in contact with it. But, folks... And this is not to sound harsh, but the, the well, I shouldn't get into all that. I, I think we need to be careful about how we panic about this and not let ourselves get out of hand. Turn to the Lord. Pray to God. Know that there's so much more after this life and focus on Him and leave it in His hands, His capable hands. Well, I appreciate you being with me this afternoon. Um, I know I, I wanted to get into that coronavirus thing, but I probably should not. Be safe. you know. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your family. Don't stop going to work. Don't freak out. Know that the Lord is in control. May the Lord bless you in all that you do and keep your hearts secure in his name. Amen. Take care. Of every nation read messages sending up to sweep away till shut on the better day. day bring it out bring it out bring, bring it, out, it out bring it out till the, the sinful world be won for Jehovah's mighty son bring it, out, bring, it out, bring it out bring it out bring it out This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ.